So uh, starting in verse 37 of Luke chapter 9, uh, it starts out saying, now it happened on the next day, uh, that is uh, the Mount of Transfiguration. We were talking about that during worship. So uh, the next day, right after this, uh, right after the uh, Peter, James, and, and John um, witnessing uh, Jesus in a, in a glorified state, uh, and it says at the end of that that's, that section that uh, in verse 36, um, uh, but they, they kept quiet and told no one uh, in those days of any of the things they had seen. And uh, it does end up coming out later on. John and Peter both write about it. And, uh, but, uh, you know, that was just something that, you know, they experienced and uh, they just, they hadn't talked about it. So uh, an amazing, uh, amazing is, is not even a correct word to use, but uh, that's uh, the best I can think of right now of what they experienced. So now it happened on the next day uh, when they had come down from the mountain that a great multitude met him. Suddenly a man from the multitude cried out saying, Teacher, I implore you, look on my son, for he is my only child. And behold, the spirit seizes him and he suddenly cries out. It convulses him so that he foams at the mouth and it departs from him with great difficulty, bruising him. So we'll stop there and, and then pick up here. But uh, now it happened on the next day. So one day they're up on the mountaintop. The next day they're right in the mix of everything. And uh, that's uh, very easy for us in our lives uh, to want to stay on the mountain, to want to stay up there. Uh, but the Lord has uh, work for us to be about and uh, and to come down. And we see here that there's quite a bit here that that uh, we're going to we're going to look at and, and uh, kind of um, dissect and then uh, digest and so uh, some parallel passages to this we'll, we'll, we'll discuss here later on. But um, ultimately what we're seeing here is that when they get down there um, and uh, this whole multitude is there, uh, this man uh, is crying out, that voice of desperation. Um, any parent would understand that I have the opportunity for my child to be healed right now. That voice, that cry of desperation is different than, Hey, I just want to meet you. Hey, will you, you know, uh, come pray for me or those things. It's, this is my only hope. This is everything I got is going into this moment right now, uh, not holding anything back. And he's screaming out in desperation. And when it says here that uh, sudden, uh, suddenly a man cried out saying, teacher, I implore you. Uh, that's uh, implore means to beg earnestly or desperately. So there's a, there's a earnest uh, begging that's happening. There's a desperation. Um, I've heard several critics of the Lord say that, well, God just wants you to beg and he's not going to help you. And that's such a sad thing for me to hear. Um, the, 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 the cynical, um, uh, the cynical heart, uh, over the Lord. And you know what? It's up to him whether he wants to help me, but I am going to beg and I am going to trust. And, uh, you know, those, those things are, um, you know, I, I've heard it. I, I've seen people, uh, you know, just saying that. Uh, seeing the situations when people have said that. But this is a man desperate in his own in, in his situation, his only child, and uh, and he's just saying, you know, um, you know, Lord, I, I implore you, look out, you know, look on my son, uh, is what he's saying here, and that that means will you heal my son? He's he's begging the Lord where he knows. That, that the healing can come uh, from is where he is. And he's, he's asking the Lord and says, 
in verse 39 that a spirit seizes him and he suddenly cries out. It convulses him, makes him foam at the mouth, and it departs from him with great difficulty, bruising him. Now, the parallel passages uh, are in Mark chapter 9, verses 17 through 29, and Matthew chapter 7, verses 14 through 21. Uh, in Matthew 7, uh, it names uh, that he's an epileptic and uh, the demon would cause seizures. So uh, it's very important that, uh, you know, I, I think, I think unfortunately that there, there are people who um, misunderstand the scripture because, uh, and it just, it's a misunderstanding of who the Lord is and it's irresponsible um, of them to, to say to somebody, you're going through this because uh, you're demon possessed. You're a Christian, but you are demon possessed. We're going to talk about that. You can't be both. It's one or the other. You know, darkness can't can't be where light is. Uh, so we'll talk about that here in a little bit. But uh, this specific situation, this boy is being tormented by a demon, and and uh, the Lord is uh, being implored to uh, to help him. And uh, it's it's so violent. This guy says that it's the spirit sees him. Suddenly he cries out and he convulses and foams at the mouth. And when it leaves, uh, it leaves with great difficulty bruising him. Now imagine watching your child go through that. I know people who have children that are epileptic. And just to know, you know, what they're going through, you know, um, I, I, I just, I, I could not imagine watching my girls, you know, go through one of those, uh, you know, a seizure or whatever. This is a demonic seizure, and the scripture differentiates between the two. So be very careful because, uh, as I said, some people will uh, will inaccurately say, oh, well, you know, if they're dealing with this, they're demon-possessed. No, the scripture actually separates the two, epileptics and demon-possessed. So it's very, very important for us to have the proper understanding not everybody who has epilepsy is demon-possessed. A demon can afflict somebody in that way, but it doesn't mean that because somebody has seizures, they're demon-possessed. Am I making sense? Okay. So because unfortunately for hundreds, maybe thousands of years, it has been believed that, um, hey, this person's demon-possessed, and of course somebody thinks somebody's demon-possessed. They're not. They have a medical condition. They're ostracizing them. They're casting them out. And, uh, and, and, you know, it, it's, it's not accurate for them, biblically accurate for them to, uh, to come to that, um, that real, that, uh, decision. The word is escaping me, so I'm sorry. Uh, but verse 40, the man continues talking, says, so I implored, implored your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you and bear with you? Bring your son here. That can sound pretty harsh. You know, like the Lord is speaking directly to this man, like you're, you're, you're perverse, you're faithless or anything. Uh, any, uh, any commentary that you pick up, you're going to realize that uh, every, everyone that I've ever looked at and every teacher I've ever listened to on this scripture, the Lord is speaking to the disciples. Now, remember, in the beginning of, of Luke chapter 9, they had just been commissioned to go out and to heal the sick and to minister and to cast out demons. So 
what we're dealing with here is the Lord's dealing with their specific lack of faith and uh, distrust, the, the disciples themselves. And I have to wonder, uh, they had they had been sent out by, this is John's speculation, this is not scripture, this is my personal speculation. They had been commissioned and sent out by the Lord, and then they, uh, when they came back, they had uh, they had a different, maybe a different mindset. And we're going to see, and actually if you read in Mark, uh, it actually, you know, it gets into a little bit more where they're asking, why couldn't we cast this one out? And the Lord goes on to tell them, this one goes out by prayer and fasting. And we'll talk about that here in a few minutes. But uh, maybe, maybe these guys had kind of lost their focus where Jesus has been gone and uh, maybe we're not quite as strong uh, in our faith, uh, as when he sent us out before, and maybe that time was, was past. I don't know. This is, this is where I'm speculating. I don't know, but the Lord did tell them later that it's, it's because, you know, if they, you know, through prayer and, and fasting. Mark chapter nine, uh, as Jesus is telling them, uh, you know, the prayer and fasting. So a couple things with prayer and fasting, um, the fasting uh, doesn't make us more worthy to receive from the Lord, but what it will do is it will draw us closer to the Lord. And um, um, David Gusick said that it, it, it puts us more in line with his power. Um, and uh, I, I like that description. I do. Because, uh, you know, I think um, as a dad, I can ask my kids to do something. And when I've asked them to do it, uh, and they do it. Sometimes there's the expectation <laughs> that, well, what am I going to get now? I did what you told me to do, right? Um, and I think we can have that in our hearts. Well, Lord, I fasted and I prayed. How come it's not coming to fruition? You know, and that's you know we can uh, we can get to a point where, well, haven't I haven't I kind of earned this? <laughs> no, <laughs> wrong. So, uh, but I I, I like David Guzik's um, explanation that that. You know, when we're fasting, it draws us closer to God and we're more in line with his power um, and we can hear more clearly from him. Uh, I, I like that better. Uh, one thing that we can see from this and uh, when you in from the account in, in Mark chapter nine is we also see the superiority of Christ and our need uh, for him shown here in this story because they couldn't do it and they needed the Lord to do it. And then they needed the Lord to explain why they couldn't do it. So there's, uh, you know, there's no doubt that, you know, this, the Lord, this didn't surprise Jesus. You know, it wasn't something like, oh, you know, you're faithless and perverse. It wasn't like he didn't understand what was happening here. Um, but for us, we, we were able to see that the, the, the superiority of Christ, that he was able to, boom, take care of this, because we're going to look right into it here um, uh, and uh, see what, what we have here. Uh, verse 42, and as he was still coming... The demon threw him down and convulsed him. Then Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit, healed the child, and gave him back to his father. So when they had asked before, uh, Jesus told them, if you go to Matthew's account to this, uh, in Matthew chapter uh, 17. I'm sorry, I've been saying Matthew chapter 7. That's incorrect. It's Matthew chapter 17. Um, in Matthew chapter 17, the Lord said, because of your unbelief. And he goes on a little bit later to say, if we had the faith of a mustard seed. And, and you know, us uh, people that have been uh, in church for years uh, have, uh, understand a mustard seed very small, grows very big. 
And, uh, and Jesus, uh, the Lord goes on to say that uh, nothing will be impossible for you, you know, through faith. So very important to for us to realize and understand, you know, who Jesus is and and uh, for us to be properly in line in our relationship with God so that we uh, can be used by him for whatever he calls us to do. But, you know, if we're being called and we're neglecting our call, uh, we may find ourselves in situations where, uh, you know, we're not uh, really ministering to people the way that we should be. Um, so it's just important uh, for us to understand uh, that he is superior, that uh, that we can uh, just continue to place our faith, trust in him, and he will use us. So uh, his um, his powerful, uh, sorry, his power is always available to us, um, and uh, for, for whatever situations we like uh, in life. Um, uh, and this is where, as we were praying, um, I had mentioned that. You know, how often is our unbelief, our doubt, um, being anxious about something, our faithlessness, a much bigger problem than the situation itself? I know it's, it's so many times I know in my life I have made, just spun things way out of proportion and just been worried about this, that, the other thing. And I got to a point where I just go on. And then when it's all over, I'm like, really, <laughs> John, really? You know, you let that, you know, you didn't sleep for three days because of this and, and those things. And, and uh, it, it's so important for us to understand how powerful he is and that we can go uh, to him and that he is going to, to take care of us and provide for us. I like in verse 42 that we see that he rebuked the spirit uh, uh, as it attacked. And uh, and we know that the Lord can take care of, uh, of those things because we do know that we have an enemy of our soul that will most definitely attack us in any way possible. The, the The goal of our enemy is to destroy us, to separate us from the Father and to destroy us. So as we're reading here and as we're looking at this, as the child's getting closer to Jesus, bam, it happens. And, 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 and what it says is, as he was still coming, the demon threw him down and convulsed him. And it says, then Jesus rebuked and uh, rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the child and uh, gave him back to his father. Now, this can be a spiritual lesson for us. Although uh, Christians, like I said, we cannot be, you can't be a Christian and demon possessed. You, you can't be both. You can't have a demon and the Holy Spirit living inside us. Is, it, is that making sense? Just looking at the scripture, you can't have the, it's one or the other. You're, you're either inhabited by the Holy Spirit or you're inhabited by an unclean spirit. They're not like hanging out there and, you know, the Lord says, well, you take the left leg and I'll take the rest of the body or, you know, whatever silliness we could, you know, go in. No, but in our hearts, we can't have in our spirit, in our soul, um, we can't have both. We can be afflicted. We can be, we can be oppressed, but we can't be possessed. Does that make sense? You can't, you can't have the Holy Spirit and Satan in you at the same time. It's just uh, a freaky Hollywood weird movie, probably. But in all reality, you either uh, have the Holy Spirit or you do not. So uh, for us, we, we can definitely be oppressed. We can be, uh, we can be attacked by our enemy the closer we get to the Lord. Uh, so just an important there. And uh, the lost experience this more, uh, and tell me I'm wrong. You know, when we've been ministering to people or, or you've been praying with somebody or, you know, you had some good conversations and then these weird things just keep coming up and you're like, 
you know, man, you know, we've we've already discussed this. We've already gone over this, and that that confusion is building in their brain. What's happening is, that, you know, the closer they're coming to getting to know Jesus and accept the Lord, that attack is getting more intense. Uh, it, and it's it, for us as as believers that are sharing the word, we need to understand that. We need to explain that to somebody, uh, and it may sound really weird to them. You know, because we don't know what Hollywood has done to their or a book or whatever it is has done to their minds and uh, and explain to them and, and try to teach them about who God is and who the devil is and, and all, all these things. When, when people's spirituality and their um, their their spiritual understanding is from uh, movies and those things. Tell me how many times you guys have had conversations and been like, "Yeah, <laughs> no, no, no. Let's sit down and talk. Not from a not from a standpoint of, of oh, yeah. okay, sit down. We have to have a discussion in love, being able to explain that. No, yeah, you know, I can understand maybe where that came from, or I don't at all. But I can tell you from the scripture, this is what it really says. You know, the the demon's goal was to throw him down. And if you read the other the other accounts, often we throw them into the fire or water. I mean, you imagine as a parent, you're never you can never relax because you never know if your kid's getting thrown into a the river or uh, into a fire, literally trying to take the child's life. On the opposite side is the Lord is there to restore, and it says that the Lord made him whole and gave him back to his father. That's a tremendous. Bible account for us to be able to look at and really think about that. You know, think about the situation of this man. No one else, nothing else could help until the Lord showed up and took care of business. Such an amazing thing. Moving on, verse 43. And they were all amazed at the majesty of God. But while everyone marveled at these things which Jesus did, he said to his disciples, let these words sink down into your ears, for the Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men. But they did not understand this saying, and it was hidden from them, so that they did not perceive it. And they were afraid to ask him about this saying. So the crowd is amazed at the majesty of God. And uh, the first thing is what I want to talk about is Jesus didn't correct them. You notice, uh, and I've brought it up before, an angel, when someone has bowed down to an angel, the angel's like, don't do that. I'm a servant of God also. Please stand. Jesus does not correct them as they're marveling at what God just did because he is God. And he can he can rightfully accept that praise and that awe. So uh, just an important thing to notice, uh, to note. So, um, so as all this stuff's going on, uh, he turns and he says to the disciples and he lets them know that, uh, that let these words sink down. Now, these guys weren't expecting this type of message right now. They weren't at all. They thought, hey, the, the earthly kingdoms being set up were with the Messiah. He's going to rule and reign, and we're, and we're going to see further on as we read. These guys right here are thinking we are prime for top positions here. And, and, it's, it's, and, and it's, it's amazing to see here. So it seemed like everything was being established. And Jesus is, now has to remind them, hey, guys. Remember this, you know, he's minding them of his plan and nothing was going to detract him. Nothing was going to take him away from doing that. And so he goes through and he says, let these words sink down into your ears. Um, oh, man, can't we let that apply in our lives in so many different areas where God says, look, you're not hearing me. You need to let this sink in. And and uh, so many times 
if I just would have listened, things would have been so much easier. Things, right? We're all going, yep, yep, yep. You know, how many times, uh, you know, us as parents or, um, you know, I've seen, you know, my kids will say, hey, I was upstairs with these kids and they just won't listen. If they would have just listened, they wouldn't have got sent down to sit with a deacon. Or if they would have just listened, they would have gotten, I'm seeing giggles here from my kids. So, but it, it is, it's so true. If we just would, would listen and we'd let the words of the Lord sink into our ears and settle into our ears and those ear, you know, that song, open the eyes of my heart, Lord, I want to see you. You know, that's what we're praying is, is help me to see you, help me to hear you. Um, and the scripture tells us to be hearers and doers. And we've discussed that several times when I've been up here. Uh, so, but let these words sink down into your ears. I love that. You know, the Lord, the Lord said, uh, also at one point, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Right. So, so important for us to have spiritual ears, spiritual listening ears that we, um, we can hear the Lord and we can understand him and uh, rightly uh, decipher how we need to, uh, you know, you know, get into a situation and our, or get out of a situation, um, whatever it may be, that we would let the Lord's words sink down into our hearts. So important for us because as we have, you know, David talked about just hiding your words in my soul that I would not, that I wouldn't, um, I, I won't sin against you, right? Just I want to hide it right here. I want to keep your words right here that I wouldn't sin against you. So important for us. So that let these words sink down. The Lord is saying, I'm telling you something. Hey, guys, I'm getting your attention. Listen, you're this, if, you're, if you weren't listening before, which we're going to see, clearly they weren't listening to a lot of what he had to say um, or just kind of doing their own thing and just not understanding it. But he says right here, the son of man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men. So they're not ready for this. And it says in verse 45 that they didn't understand, uh, you know, what's going on here. It didn't make sense. Uh, you know, they thought everything was getting established. Um, but the whole of the scriptures were going to be filled in there in front of them. And uh, they were thinking about the messianic kingdom. Uh, they were thinking, uh, you know, what they didn't understand is the other messianic prophecies of his sacrifice. So the Lord is saying, wait, you guys, I understand what you're looking for, but you need to let these words sink in because this is going to happen. And this is going, this is going to be something that you're going to witness. So it says that they, they, they didn't perceive and they were a little afraid to ask. You know, they had just been told like, oh, faithless and perverse generation. They're like, we're not even going to ask at this point, right? But, uh, yeah, it's it's just listen. And uh, it's just so important for us sometimes to hear what the Lord says and trust and know what he says is going to take place. Verse 46, then the dispute arose among them as to which of them would be the greatest. I have a note written in my Bible. Uh, I've got all kinds of notes written here, and it says, "It says if God can use these guys, He can use anyone." Will cast September twenty seventeen. <laughs> I just put that in there. It, I, I think I can even see Will's face and hear the projection in his voice. If God can use these twelve guys, eleven. We know, you know, Judas went off his own way, but if He can use these disciples. He can use anybody. You know, we might read and go, oh, man, I'm reading 
you know, first Peter and oh, man, he's so spiritual. I could never. And really, he's the same guy that on the boat dropped to his knees and told the Lord, depart from me. I'm from a sinful man, O Lord. He knew he was a sinner. And we know that Peter failed on several occasions. You know, lopping off Malchus's ear and uh, you know, denying the Lord. And you know, there, there were times uh, that that they that as we're uh, as we're reading, we can look and go, these guys are losers. Yep. <laughs> Guess whose name could be inserted in there with them, right? Every single one of us. But if he can use these guys, if he can use these guys, and we're gonna see as we keep going on. I think they got to a point where they're just like, I'm just going to shove my foot right in my mouth so I can't talk anymore. I think I think they came to that point because as we're reading through, there's so much the Lord's like, no, it's this. No, it's this. No, it's this. You know, they're just constantly at the end of this chapter, they're just being corrected. And they're being, you know, and it's it's us. We can we can be so uh, so quick to do things. Um, today, uh, today, uh, Ashley went to the gym with Jen and I, and, and we went to, we just joined uh, planet fitness, uh, because they'll allow her to go. And she's like, I want to lift I want for, for soccer. So, uh, we did, uh, our first uh, trip up as a family, uh, to, to do this well as the three of us. Um, and, uh, she wanted, just wanted to get in there for the next month before the soccer preseason. She's in summer soccer now, but we get there and, and we start talking about, okay, so what do we want to do? You know, I ask her, what do you want to do for workouts? And, and, uh, she, she likes to work out. She likes to be healthy and, and wants to get stronger and those things. And, uh, I know I'm no personal trainer, no professional bodybuilding, you know, uh, coach or anything. But I've gained a few things over the years, just from football and wrestling and weight training over the uh, just just uh, training over the years that I've learned some things. And one of the things about about uh, you know anything that we're doing, uh, especially with uh, with physical fitness, is slow down. Don't jump into it. You're going to hurt yourself. And we had to talk about that today. Um, uh, she she jumped in wants to wants to do some pull ups, and I said, all right. Did you notice how much you were you were waving back and forth? Yeah, yeah. I, she goes, I kind of rushed into it, and we can see that. So it's so important uh, for us to make sure that we um, we're not we're not getting to a point of we might get a little uh, jumpy, maybe even a little bit overconfident about something, and jumping right into it, thing. Oh, I know how to do this, you know. And I'm not saying that's what she was doing, but we have to be careful of that that being overconfident. So. What we see here is these guys are not lacking confidence at all and obviously hadn't learned anything from uh, the Lord's teachings uh, about humility and about service because what they're doing is they're sitting around literally arguing about who's going to be greatest in the kingdom. I mean, I don't know about you guys. This one's make me throw up, but <laughs> you know, it's that it's just complete foolishness and arrogance I like it. You know, it's a low point for these guys, and it's another point of correction. And I wondered, you know, are you, are you guys learning anything at all? Because it's just that constant correction. And I wait a minute, look at my heart, <laughs> John. Are you learning anything at all? The Lord's going. Didn't John? Are we haven't we dealt with this, 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 and this? You know, so we can find ourselves. So it's important for us to guard our own hearts because we can very much be in the same situation and the situations that are following here. So. Very important to understand that if the Lord can use these guys, fishermen, self-proclaim, I am a sinner, you don't want anything to do with me. If he can use them, 
he can use us. He wants to. Remember uh, James and John's mom asking uh, that they would be at his right hand and his left side, uh, right, uh, right, uh, right side and his left side, and just there, there's so much here that hey, you know, be the greatest. Yeah, how about my kids? You know, we all want good for our kids, but you know, hey, I'm gonna. Uh, we've all seen the sports, the sports uh, parents that that hey, if my kid isn't the starting shortstop, then I'm pulling him and we're going to a different school. Well, your kid can't field a grounder. You know, they're probably not going to play the most advanced position on the field. <laughs> you know, usually the sport shortstop, uh, you guys, sorry for the baseball analogies. You guys know I like baseball. But, um, you know, that, that shortstop position is usually your best athlete, the most skilled position because the ball, most people are right-handed batters, and they're hitting, and they're timing, hitting it right to the shortstop, right? So just so important for us to, to realize that sometimes we don't have it. Or sometimes maybe our kid doesn't have it, or somebody, and we think we know best, you know. Um, and that's not just for sports; that can be in ministry, that can be really in anything. I deserve better, you know. How many times has Will told us those are some dangerous words for us? So just important here to, to understand that these guys are literally in a dispute. They're really like, no, I'm going to be better than you because of this, and I'm way better than you. And <laughs> you know, Matthew, James, really. You know, I mean, were you, you know, and, uh, you know, all these guys, man, you're short or whatever, <laughs> you know, they could have said all these things. And there's a, there's literally a worldly dispute of who's going to be greatest. And I love Jesus's response. It says verse 47 and Jesus perceiving the thought of their heart took a little child and set them by and set him by him. So they're all doing these things, and the Lord knows everything that's happening right here. And I love that it, it says he knows. He knows what's going on in their hearts. And it's an important thing uh, to, to never forget this. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So these guys are saying what they believe. And the Lord knows what they believe, and he can see just the nastiness in their heart and that arrogance in their heart. And, uh, and I love the expression he uses because... He uses the simplicity of, of, of a little child and says here, and he said to them, whoever receives this little child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For he who is least among you all will be great. The Lord just, just slams these guys. There was, you know, usually you're not looking to a kid for all your lessons in life. You know, we're going to look at a kid and go, oh, I know better than them. I'm older than them. So a lot we can learn from the innocence of a child. And they just say, why, why, what does that mean? Or why would someone do that? Or why would somebody say that? You know, you're right. That's a great observation out of the mouth of babes, right? That's so important. He uses simplicity, you know, and innocence of a young child to humble grown men in their arrogance. It's just amazing as we're reading through this and, you know, as I'm reading it, the Lord's speaking to me, and he says he can work past our weaknesses and failures. And we know he did with these guys. You know, as we just saw in verse 41, a little bit irritated with them, <laughs> quite quite irritated with them. And uh, uh, he can work through our denials, our doubts, uh, our sinfulness, our pride, whatever it may be. But we have to be pliable. We have to be able to go to the Lord and, and, and ask him to help us. Ephesians 3 verse 8 says, To me, this is Paul writing, To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, 
this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. So here's a guy in his position and a, a constant excuse me, state of humility. He gets it. Paul gets it. He was once arrogant, and the Lord worked that right out of him. You know, I say he was arrogant, but he was very confident and very, uh, very uh, filled filled with wrath. Um, and I, I assume there's some arrogance there. Uh, Paul writing, and the Lord changed him. Paul writing again, uh, Galatians six. But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world. Uh, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. He's saying the only thing I have to boast in is Christ. That's it. I don't have myself to boast in. I don't have any leg to stand on saying I'm going to be greatest over Peter or James or John or whatever it is. It's, you know what, the only boasting I have is the Lord has redeemed me and for some reason he's using me in my life. We, I, I don't know about you guys, but when I see straight-out arrogance, I'm not listening to a word that person has to say because I know that they only care about themselves. Very hard, but when we see humility, isn't it, isn't it refreshing to see somebody who could, in the, in the eyes of this world, be extremely arrogant and just react very humbly? You know, it's just such a blessing to see that. You know, instead of, well, yeah, I'm great. You know, yes, I need this award. Yes, I need this. And the spotlight should be on me. You know, those things, it's not the case. When we can see these these yahoos there are just sitting around, you know, disputing. You know, who's better than oh, I'm better than you because he chose me to do this. I'm better than you. Well, you were here. You said this. And yeah, yeah, well, well, was were you the one that got to do this? Were you the one that got to do that? <laughs> just so foolish. These guys had already been on a mission. They had already been commissioned. They had already been out healing, and, you know, and then all of a sudden now they are here sitting there. Oh, yeah, yeah, I guess it was going to be great. Yeah. How many people did you heal on the trip? You know, it's just so sickening, so gross. A um, few more verses if you want to look them up. 1 Corinthians 1, 31 and 2 Corinthians 10, 17 about boasting in Christ and, and, and the humility we need in our lives. You know, we are absolutely nothing without the Lord. We're nothing. You look at 1 Corinthians 6, and you start reading through all those people that were heading to hell, and you're going, oh, man, I'm on like three or four of those people that, you know, revelry, you know, all, all these things uh, of people just rejecting the Lord and living the, their lives. And, and you see, these people weren't going to heaven. And, and, but then it says, but you were washed, but you were cleansed, and we were, we were changed by Jesus Christ. So very important for us that, you know, to have that, you know what, I'm the least of all the saints, you know, to have that, that heart of, of humility. And if we are going to boast, boast in nothing but Christ. That's where our boast, that's where he is, where our strength uh, should be. And that's, uh, he's the one that we should be promoting, not ourselves. Nobody likes to hear a self-promoter. Nobody, nobody. Verse 49. Now John answered and said, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we forbade him because he does not follow with us. But Jesus said to him, Do not forbid him, for he who is not against us is on our side. So a little bit more of a, well, I'm in this position, and when I saw this happening, I had to go over and tell him, Hey, you can't be doing that. You're not walking around with us. And the Lord has to, has to correct him. 
And how many times and over how many hundreds and, and thousands of years has there been a battle of, well, we know better than you, and that division in the church? You know, Paul had to, Paul had to just write all that. You know what? Hey, you know, different parts of the body, and everybody comes together, many different parts, but they all come together in one body. Very important. But unfortunately, and I think it is a pride thing, we come into, hey, I believe this, so I am right. You believe that, so you're right. Well, you go to this church. I go to this church. We're better than you guys. because You see what I mean? This, this, um, uh, my, the heading here says Jesus forbids sectarianism. Hey, you're going to separate you. And the Lord says, no, 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 no. The Lord's effectively, God is effectively working. This guy, it says right here, so look at the words. It says, John answered and said, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name. The Lord's using this guy. Don't ever be the one that when the Lord is using somebody in a godly ministry to come over and say, shouldn't be doing this. Right? I mean, can you just, just, just think of how foolish that sounds. Hey, the Lord's greatly using you. You shouldn't be doing it. You're not at our church, so you shouldn't be doing anything. You know, we have to call up any of our friends that attend other churches and say, I know you said the Lord used you and, and, and he's ministering through you and, and you've been able to pray with somebody and, and watched uh, that person's life that you prayed with be changed. Hey, you know what? You're not part of this church or you're not part of, you know, this, this specific Bible study group. So um, I, you know, I, don't, I, I don't think the Lord's really working through you. Believe it or not, that happens in the church, I'm using the quotations for a reason, because some people are just off their rockers and I don't know what they believe in everything. But there are people uh, under the umbrella of Christianity, uh, the term Christianity, uh, that have really warped understandings um, and will push that on somebody and discourage somebody from using their gift to serve the Lord. So important for us to understand and to be able to discern whether something is from God and something isn't. And how do we discern? From being in the Word, from being in midweek Bible study, from being in the Scripture by ourselves alone when we're at home. You know, I'm mowing my lawn listening to um, uh, Damien Kyle just on, on this and just just filling our, our day and our hearts with, with the Word. Uh, we're going to be able to decide. We're going to be able to look in it. You know, we may hear something. Wait a minute. That Whatever what you just said doesn't make sense, and the reason I can say that is because the scripture says, you know, the Lord said this, and you see this. We can have that discussion, and uh, we need to be able to as needed. But uh, you know, that whole thing of well, you guys go to Baptist church, so we, eh, you know, I don't really know if you guys are really, uh, you know, anointed by the Lord. You know, many members, one body. Very important. You know, Paul had to address this when he's saying, hey, what are you guys doing? Some of you are saying, you know, you're of Paul and you're of Apollos. And he goes on to a full explanation to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 3. Uh, and he goes on like, look, you got to understand that some people are going to be, this may per this person may be sowing the seed. This person may be watering it. We don't know. God's going to cause the increase. He's going to cause the growth. But it's so important that uh, uh, just and, – and don't get me wrong. The fundamentals of, of Christian belief need to be there. You know, we don't also – we may be able to say – pull lovingly pull somebody aside and be like, you, what you're sharing is not biblical. You might be deceived or you might – you know, and that's a very careful conversation. 
you know, because we can come apart, uh, uh, we can come across as as prideful. But if there is false doctrine being spread, we need to address that. We can't be like, oh, maybe should I pray about? No, absolutely, immediately, and say, look, man, that or you know that or look, girl, uh, <laughs> you know that that isn't what Scripture says. Let's talk about. It. Let's go look at it. It's important for us so uh, to, to know the word and and be able to uh, to address situations. But just understanding, just because um, somebody doesn't come to a Calvary Chapel or just because they do, doesn't mean that everything is is great. We need to be able to use the word to be our guide, uh, because when we start looking at titles, we can get things uh, messed up pretty easily. Verse 51, now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers before his face. And as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him, but they did not receive him because his face was set uh, for the journey to Jerusalem. Now, the Samaritans worshipped on Mount Gerizim, and Jesus was set on Jerusalem. So uh, we don't we don't know. We don't have the the intricate look into what's happening here, but it may have been, no, I'm going to worship in Jerusalem. That's that's where the Jews, the Samaritans uh, would 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 worship there. The Jews worship in, in Jerusalem. And, and the fact that the Lord wouldn't go up Mount uh, Gerizim may, may have been what, what made them not want him around. I don't know. Um, but it's, it's important to understand that he had his face set to Jerusalem, just like it said, uh, you know, way back... Um, in uh, uh, I gotta remember the verse now. Now I'm gonna get lost. So we'll just pick it up there. Jesus said that he was he had set his face to Jerusalem. So I'm gonna get lost, and I'll take me 45 minutes to find where we're at. But Jesus was set to go to Jerusalem, and I know I just said it in verse 51. So we'll just go with that. So uh, and when his disciples James and John saw the uh, saw this. They had said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? Foot and mouth again, John, <laughs> right? So so John, um, I was listening to Damien Kyle today, and he said he may have been the youngest disciple, which is kind of cool to understand. I, I'd never heard that. But, um, um, you know, he, he comes right up. And, uh, you know, James and John saw this, and, and, and they came up and they said, you know, do you want us to command fire? Do you, we, we should, all these people should die right now. That's literally what he's saying. Lord, they've rejected you. They should all die right now. <laughs> and Jesus turned and rebuked him and said, uh, you do not know what manner of spirit you are. For the son of man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went uh, to another village. So, so important. John was missing the whole point. Missing, he's mad. Remember, they were called the Sons of Thunder, James and John, right? He's ready to, you know, thunder, lightning, you know, can we call fire fire down from heaven to consume them all, just like Elijah did? Can, can we do that? You know, like I said, chapter 9, the end of chapter 9 is full of the, no, no, that's, you've got it wrong. No, you're not getting it, right? Uh, he just got rebuked, you know. Uh, we're just reading of his being rebuked for, for, you know, considering himself to be the greatest. Uh, and we know that his mom asks uh, that you know, hey, left side, right side, and 
Um, a couple things to look at in here is John is being very prideful and he's ready to abuse his gifts. He's ready. He just, you say the word, Lord, and I'm going to, you know, and the Lord's like, paraphrase, settle down, cowboy. It's not what we're here to do. You know, I'm not putting, the, you know, that's not obviously the words of the Lord, but hold on a second. Put your gun back in the holster there. We're not doing that, you know. Um, and uh, the Lord, the Lord sternly just rebukes them and says, you don't know what manner of spirit you are, uh, you are of. It's just so important. And Jesus comes right to right to the point that he did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. That is the key. Like, like. That's so important for us, even just in our ministry, to share with people. There's so much misunderstanding of who Jesus is, you know, what he did on this earth, why he came, what happens after we die. We can go right here. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And we can go, that can be a springboard for us to say, hey, boom, 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 boom. Do you see that the Lord does not want destruction in your life? He wants salvation to happen in your life. So important. I mean, these guys are ready... Think about John. That's a John is ready to murder. Just, just thunder, you know, lightning bolt, bam, uh, you know, or call fire down from heaven. He's thinking awful highly of himself, and he's ready to destroy other people. Uh, and he gets a stern rebuke for it. And the Lord says, "That's not why I came. I didn't come to destroy men's lives, but to save them." So so important for us in our hearts because we can look at somebody else and go. Oh, you know, I, I needed I, the girls have heard me say I'm raising my own hand. And I remember Will saying, if you I wish I sometimes driving, I could have a, a bazooka it wouldn't kill anybody, but it would just blast them out of the way. And like like maybe just stop their car like a video game, Mario Kart or something. You can throw something at them and it like disables their car for a minute. and You can just drive by because they're acting so stupid, you know, or whatever it is. And. And I, I'll, I'll get mad. And I'm, oh, I'm raising my hand. This has been me. This has definitely been me. I've said, Lord, we hit him with a fireball. But it, it, it's, it's that mindset of, look, you know, of, of, um, we all want patience when it comes to us. We all want to experience and, and have patience. But with anybody else, it's fireballs, you know. And we, we want that person dead, you know. And it's so, so. Oh, so prideful for us to say something like that. And the Lord just literally has to break it right down to him and say, look, guys, look, John, you're not getting it. James, you're not getting it. You know, it just that's not not what we're here to do. That's not what was going on. You know, um, I, I have a, a, a. Oh, I've got it right here. Um, if you would turn with me, we're going to turn uh, in first uh, John chapter four. If you don't want to turn, you can just listen. But First John chapter four, verse seven. So First John, the name of it, it's the first letter of John. Um, so it's the same John that just asked if he could call fire down from heaven to destroy people for rejecting the Lord. And now this is his heart. So this is the same John. Tell me the Holy Spirit didn't change him. Beloved, 
let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. For he does not, sorry, for he, uh, sorry, go back, beginning of verse 8. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. It's the same John, guys. When the Lord has his way with us, when the word of God has permeated us, when the Holy Spirit is, is living inside us, that's the change that we see over our lives. That's the change we see as we're ministering because, man, there can be times every single one of us can be mad and, you know what, I just want to call a fireball down. Wha-bam. Take that person out. Wha-bam. And, and, and you know uh, almost every single time we're, we're wrong. <laughs> it's got to be pretty much 99.99% of the time. We're wrong. But so important for us to take the stand where we need to and to combat that with the scripture, but for us to go, Lord, this person doesn't deserve to live anymore. That's between that person and the Lord, not us. We are not the Avengers to go out there and, and to go and, you know, God is going to take care of what he needs to take care of. But we're not the ones to say, I'm the guy, send me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. So think of the change. I mean, how many times did John just write love? Right? And he's saying, hey, love your neighbor. Love one another. He's not saying call the fireball down. He's saying love one another. It's just so important to see, to understand the change, the massive change in, in John's heart because of what God did and how God ministered and showed him how, how patient is the Lord when he's saying this. That's a stern rebuke, but he's telling them. He didn't say, now get out of here. You're not part of the club anymore. You're not a disciple anymore. You're not learning. I mean, how many times did we just read the Lord, you know, in verse uh, verse 41, he's calling them, uh, you know, uh, faithless and perverse generation. And uh, there's, there, he's also going on and he's saying, you guys are sitting around arguing about these things. You know, as you're sitting around, I'm just going to grab this kid and I'm going to teach you a lesson here. And then they're saying, hey, you know, as they're stopping somebody from being an effective minister, He's correcting them there. And now he's telling them, look, you can't go murder people. That's not why I came. I came to seek and save that. Well, he says right here, uh, he didn't come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Can't miss the memo. You can't miss the whole mission. The whole important, uh, the, the importance is to that somebody who experienced God's grace and mercy turn from sin, turn from the, the, the path to hell, and turn uh, and, and walk with the Lord in salvation. Let's read this last portion, verse 57. Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds have uh, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to, to lay his head. Then he said, so in that those two verses, the Lord's addressing something that, that uh, we don't we don't know the rest of what happened there, but the Lord's addressing 
I'm, you're going to have to leave everything and you might not be comfortable. It might be uncomfortable for you to follow me because I don't have a place to stay. There isn't a place like a, every day, you know, I'm just going home. The Lord's traveling and he's telling this guy, your comforts, you're going to lose your comforts. Verse 59, then he said to another, follow me. He said, Lord, let me first go bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and preach uh, the kingdom of God. So that can sound pretty harsh. Like, man, this guy's dead. dad just died. And, and now he, 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 you know, the Lord's saying he can't even go bury him. No. But the implication is here is what he's saying is, let, let me stay with my dad. And I, I listened to a pastor, Damien Kyle, today. And he was saying that, that it may have been that this guy had an ambition to, hey, let my dad die. And once my dad dies, I'll get my inheritance. I'll have some money and then I can follow. I can go with you. And Jesus is saying, no, no, you can't reject the call of God for the things that you want in your life, for the comfort, for the provisions. Verse 61 says, and another also said, Lord, I, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. And Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. And I listened to, uh, to Damien Kyle too. Uh, I, I really loved his, his uh, what he was saying here was he's saying that this person may have actually been looking to go get permission from people to go into the mission field and to serve the Lord. In each of these these circumstances, there's never going to be a right person to go serve the Lord. Right, sorry, a right time to go serve the Lord. You're always waiting for more provision. You're always waiting for um, uh, comfort. We're always waiting for permission. All of those things. If the Lord calls and we're not answering, then we're in the wrong, and we're going to miss out on a whole lot of blessings. We're going to miss out on a whole lot of things. When the Lord, when Jesus Christ looks at us and speaks to us in our hearts and says, I want you to follow me here. I want you to do this. I know you don't want to. I know I know you're scared. I know these things, but I want you to follow me. It is 100% of the time going to be our best benefit to be in obedience to the word of God. Every single time. Every single time. We're always going to benefit. We're never going to say, I wish what we may say in our own whininess. But at the end of it, we're never going to say, oh, you know, I knew it. I shouldn't have followed the Lord. You know, after after everything comes out and the Lord goes, ta-da, see where I was bringing you? I'm going to be like, I should have just gone over there. And it would have been my, It's not going to happen. The Lord knows so much better. He knows so much better than we do. So I love this, this portion of Scripture. There's so much correction. There's so much uh, for us to digest and, and to really, there's a lot to chew on in here. There's a lot to learn about our own hearts and uh, and how the Lord deals with us. Um, my favorite part of this, I think, is where we can look at John uh, in in First John chapter four and look where the what was coming from his mouth or coming from his pen at that point in life um, as he's writing is a message of love when he wanted punishment. His heart was, you know, they were called the sons of thunder for a reason. Let us call fire down from heaven. And, you know, you know that, that was his mindset. You know, and the Lord, no doubt, through a lot of trials. I mean, John got boiled in a pot. You know, he's boiling oil. He's, he's, he got cast out of the Isle of Patmos. And the Lord used him mightily 
But man, did he go through some stuff to learn the hard way. You know, may it be for us that we don't have to learn the hard way, that we would see uh, what the Lord is doing, hear what he's saying to us, be obedient to it, um, and trust him. You know, as we're as we're reading through all of these things, if we are just in proper uh, alignment with the Lord, things are going to be a lot better for our lives. Our ministry, whatever that ministry may be, that ministry could be here um, uh, rolling the chairs. It can be sweeping. It can be teaching. It can be singing. It can be uh, doing the sound booth. It can be any of those things. If we're doing those things for the Lord and not going, I am so much greater than this. In the kingdom, I'm going to be, and I should be, you know, we get that foolish heart, rebuke it. No, 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 no. No, I don't even deserve to be in this building. You know, we really don't. We don't deserve to have a, a relationship with the Lord. We're sinful and we're wicked. The Lord saw us and it's, you know, it, as John just said, he loved us. He loved us. Not because we loved him, but because he loved us. He's faithful. He's going to bring about that change just like he did in John, the more pliable we are, the more obedient we are, and the more willing we are to serve him and to follow him and to be in line with who he is, his heart, his word, by the end of our lives, hopefully it doesn't take that long for us, but we're going to have fruitful ministry full of love, full of the Holy Spirit, um, that we would be able to be used and to build people up rather than want to call fireballs down from heaven and kill them. Right. Is this making sense, guys, hopefully? Right. All right, let's pray. Father, we are so blessed to know how patient you are with us and how much you love us. Help us, God, to be obedient, to grow, to learn, to, to search for you uh, with all our hearts. You know, that's what we're called, to love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. God, that love would change us that we wouldn't be arrogant thinking we deserve better and, and we're going to get better and uh, or, or, or wanting to see others uh, be condemned to hell. You know, but Father, that your love would, uh, would change our hearts and flow through our lives, that we would be about sharing your love, sharing your word and your grace and your mercy, Lord, boldly sharing those things, boldly sharing. And that our only boast would ever be in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.